What's up, everyone? Uh, I'm Blake Murphy. This is Blue Jays Talk. I was going to see how loud does a sigh have to be for it to come through on the radio. Not a great one here at Rogers Center. An absolutely beautiful night. I'm tempted to just keep an eye on Tony Gonsolin throwing a, a no-hitter right now and just update you on that pitch by pitch. Uh, Kyle Isbell just walked to break up the perfect game bid. But uh, we got a Jays game to talk about. Not a good one. The Jays blanked by the Cleveland Guardians, by Cal Quantrill. Yes, it's nice to see a Canadian do well. Seven one-hit innings, seven strikeouts. Nice to see Josh Naylor hit a home run. Not the best to see it happen against the the hometown team, the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, Four Canadians got into this game, by the way. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who was born in Montreal, extended his hit streak to 21 games with a double. Zach Pop. Had one shutout inning of relief. Jordan Romano, the only Canadian in the game who didn't uh, didn't see some action. I know that there are some things to talk about. The text line already going off. The call line already going off. As a reminder, you can call into 416-870-0590 or 888-666-0590 or just hit star 590 on your mobile you can also text in to 590 590 i have a feeling i know what you're all going to want to talk about and it's tonight's starter jose barrios who goes four innings allows eight earned on eight hits with two walks only one strikeout only three swing and misses the entire game let's get to it i know there's already calls in the line uh first up we've got ed from Scarborough, Ed, as a fellow person with Edward as a first name, you you get to lead us off here. How you doing, man? No, I'm good. Um, yeah, I just wanted to talk about Burrio. So mm-hmm. recently, Yusei Kikuchi has been ca- catching so much heat for his bad starts, and he has four less starts than Jose Burrios, yet has a better ERA. Jose Burrios is, what, this is start number 20, 23? ERA is approaching six? And for some reason, nobody holds him to the same uh, standard of Yusei Kikuchi when we're invested 117 M's in this guy, right? My thing is, I like the pickup initially, but playing in a weak AL Central, I think we overrated who he is. Like, I think we'll be lucky if Jose Barrios is a 4-2, 4-5 ERA guy during his contract. He's just, I don't know what it is. I really don't know what it is. Um, yeah, sorry, I, I can't even talk anymore. You, you yeah, me that's so all right, Ed. I'll, I'll listen to you guys. No, and, and you're right, Ed, and it's something that we've tracked a little bit is, you know, Jose Brios and Yusei Kikuchi have similar ERAs on the season, and they've come about them in different ways, where Brios has a stretch of, you know, six decent starts in a row and then back-to-back blow-ups, whereas Yusei Kikuchi, it's more of a every time out you get this ho-hum start. Well, zoom out, and Jose Brios now has a 561 ERA, and Ed, to your point, among qualified pitchers, that is dead last by more than half a run. You got to go to Colorado and Herman Marquez for the next ERA that's that bad. So you're right that Kikuchi has gotten more flack than Barrios. He's gotten the uh, you know the phantom injury and the rehab start down in AAA. I don't know what the answer is right now. If you're looking for tiny bits of optimism. Ross Stripling threw five shutout innings at AAA tonight. He's able to get to 66 pitches, uh, three hits, no walks, 
three strikeouts. So maybe there are reinforcements on the way, but that's supposed to be the Mitch White spot, not the Yusei Kikuchi spot, not the Jose Barrios spot. Uh, so a lot of Jose Barrios angst in the call line. We're going to go to Billy in Markham right now who has some Barrios thoughts as well. Yeah, you know, when I called earlier in the year, I was mostly dealing with uh, Jeff and Kevin. And I, I, and I said from the very beginning, I did not like this trade. I did not want to give up Austin Martin, and I did not want to give up the pitcher that we gave up. Guys, if you're shocked by what Berrios is doing, maybe you don't follow the game of baseball, and all you do is just follow the Blue Jays. I mean, this is exactly what he did with Minnesota. This is why Minnesota got rid of him. We are now stuck with this guy for the next five years for that kind of money, and we're ripping Kikuchi. I mean, Kikuchi better get starts the rest of the year if we're going to keep throwing burials out there. This has gotten to be a joke. We are getting out scrapped, fellas. The Baltimore Orioles and the Cleveland Indians are out scrapping us. They're out fighting us. They're, they're, they're doing the little things that win baseball games. It's, it's great when we're hitting 15 home runs or we, or we pile 30 runs on the Boston Red Sox, but where are the runs now when we're facing great pitching? Where are they? Where's the blue jacket? And, and a second thing I want to go with, we've always talked about how we're going we're gonna to pay Vlad Guerrero this amount of money. Guys, did you just see what happened to Fernando Tatis in uh, San Diego? You gave him all that money, and, he's, and I don't care what his excuse is. He's a cheat. And there's too, many guy, there's too many guys in this game that have cheated the game and are not the players that they used to be once they got paid. And I'm not going to name their names because maybe – just maybe it is injury-related. But there are a number of guys that have just fallen off the face of the earth with these big, big contracts and are not nearly the same player. You want to give Vlad a one- or two-year contract, fine. If not, let him walk. And if he's this great of a player, if he's, the ne- if he's Juan Soto, then I'll trade him in a heartbeat to get the haul back that we got from uh, our, or um, what was got back for Juan Soto. Really, this team... This team just needs it needs something, and I don't know what it is, but they're just getting they're they're just getting beaten playing the game of baseball. Simple as that. And and, and if they don't have everybody hitting, this is a very mediocre baseball team. Good luck, Jay. That's all I got. All right, Billy and Markham. Uh, I'm not going to go anywhere as far as uh, what you're saying about a Vlad contract situation or a Vlad trade. We we can at least re-explore the Jose Barrios trade. And part of why the Blue Jays felt so confident in giving up a couple prospects for him was this level of consistency. Every year of his career, he had an ERA between 3.52 and 4. And that's kind of the book on him is he never had these streaks. He never had these blow-ups. And I get it. You can you can look at the prospects they gave up. And Simeon Woods-Richardson is repeating at AA, and he has a 315 ERA. He's not a you know an elite, elite prospect right this second, but he could be a guy. Austin Martin, uh, the shines come off a little bit, especially now that he you know might not be able to throw. But he was a top 50, top 55 prospect before the season, uh, 691 ERA repeating at AA, or uh, 691 ERA. If Austin Martin had a 691 ERA, I'd be impressed by that too. 691 OPS uh, at AA this year. So, you know, but those are prospect capital that you could have used elsewhere, prospect capital that would have depth in your system. The Jose Barrios acquisition has been disappointing. There's no real way around that. Last year down the stretch, you saw what the Jays were after, and it was a 358 ERA over a dozen starts. 
this year he hasn't been that guy. And I don't know that, you know, he's suddenly not that guy. It's just he hasn't found it. So you can go through a lot of the stats and a lot of the underlying things. And I've done this with Barrios. I talked about it on Jay's Talk Plus today with Ben Wagner. I talked about it with Ben Clemens of Fangraphs. And no one could really explain the home road splits because there's nothing underlying them. And the conclusion I kind of came to at the end of my show today was, well, I think I'm more worried that the home stuff's going to turn bad than that the road stuff's going to turn good. Um, That's what we saw today. But, yeah, Barrios has a lot to figure out here. And the Jays, whether it's um, Pete Walker, whether it's Barrios, whether it's John Schneider, the, the whole group, there's a lot to figure out here because it's far too often, to your point, uh, that that he's not delivering what the Jays thought they were going to get, which was an automatic six innings and usually two or three earned. Uh, we've got a little bit more on Barrios here. We're going to go to Jude from London. Jude, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Can you hear Good, me? man. How are you? So he, here's my thing. I'm, it's more of a tactical question I'm asking you. Yep. We have a five-pitcher starting rotation, right? Is it possible if we went to a four-man starting rotation uh, and thereby, you know, maybe moving, uh, you know, Kukuchi to the bullpen? And the reason I'm saying is, like, maybe we need our, our Manoas, our Berrios, and uh, Garzman pitching on that kind of rotation. So I'm, I'm not saying this is what we should do. I'm wondering if that's something that could be feasible because – in my past, I remember four-man rotations did work when you had good pitchers because the more they go out there, especially the later part of the season, uh, it could be beneficial. I'm just going to hang up and then listen to you, okay? Thanks for the call, Jude. Um, yeah, it, you can definitely go back to times in baseball history where there are effective four-man rotations and, and guys are workhorses. Um, you're just never going to see that in, in the major leagues anymore, I don't think, with the, the amount of sports science data they have, the amount they want to manage workloads and, and extend the careers of guys. Um, it's it's certainly something you do in the playoffs, and I, I don't know that you'd get to even a, a fourth starter you trust with the Blue Jays uh, in a playoff series right now. You'd go Manoa Gosman, and, and then I think at this rate, Stripling would be starting a game three for you. Um, you know, I, I honestly think that the likelier thing is they – just juggle some stuff with Mitch White, you know, once Ross Stripling's ready to go, which sounds like it could be as early as this coming week, uh, Mitch White back in the long man bullpen role. And maybe you're experimenting with things like Mitch White piggybacking on Kikuchi. And it's not, you're not going to a four man rotation, but you're going to, you know, these guys will pitch every fifth day. And then on the fifth day, it's a, a split start with Kikuchi and Mitch White or something like that. I think they've got to, explore a few things like that that leverage some length in the bullpen once they have it back because at this point i just don't know how you trust kikuchi and burrio start to start um and to your point jude you know a four-man rotation if you had four absolute gangbusters no questions asked starters would be one thing but right now the jays have two and alec manoa has shown some signs of possibly fatiguing as the season goes on And I don't know that Ross Stripling, a converted reliever, is going to go every fourth day. So it's an interesting theory for sure. And there are times in baseball history where it's been effective. um, But I don't think you're going to see it here in 2022 uh, with this Blue Jays team. We got a little bit more in the call line. Uh, We're going to go to Dylan in Pickering. Dylan, what's up? How's it going, guys? Uh, Doing well, man. How are you? Good. 
I have a question here for you here. Um, do you guys think that the Burritos trade is something that we would be able to try and do a flip scenario, like take them in the off season and try and flip them for something quick? Yeah, that's a, a tough one, Dylan, because, you know, other teams are going to see what happened this year, right? Like, like, And he's going to be fresh into that, I think, after this year, it's six years and $120 million left on his deal. So even if you wanted to kind of hit the reset button on that contract and, and explore a trade, you're going to be taking back someone else's bad contract that they, they didn't like. So um, it's an interesting theory. I, I actually think with Kikuchi, it would maybe be – more realistic because his deal was front loaded and it's a little shorter. Um, but yeah, you, you've got to kind of explore everything. I, I think the the reality that the Jays are going to be dealing with though is that you gave Barrios that contract and you got to try everything you can to uh, you know get get uh, the Barrios you thought you were paying for back in some way. Uh, Dylan and Pickering, thanks for the the call, man. We've got uh, Bob in Toronto as well who wants to talk about. I assume now that Ross Stripling's on the way back, he got an extra pitcher. What if it's not Mitch White going to the bullpen? Bob in Toronto, how are you? Hi, Blake. How are you doing? Doing well, thanks. Good. Um, just a suggestion in relation to uh, Kikuchi. Uh, I've been watching baseball for a good long time and uh, seen the innovations that Tampa Bay has made. And they've got a pitcher, Ryan Yarbrough, who you know quite well, I'm sure. And uh, if you look at Ryan's starting a record very poor but once they went in with an opener in his case and put him in the second inning as more of the bulk pitcher uh, he had a great re reaction to that very positive now Kikuchi and Yarbrough of course are quite different pitchers but maybe between the ears they are not and uh, I wonder if that might be something uh, I'm assuming the Blue Jays may have thought of this already but the idea of starting with an opener in his games because he always seems to get hit early, and um, maybe it just might do the trick with him. Well, thanks for the idea, Bob. It's uh, it's certainly the the Rays are an interesting team to look at how they use the opener and when they do and don't. You know, there was a, a game a couple weeks ago, Yarbrough just outright started against the Orioles and cruised for six innings, and then uh, you know, you you see some instances where it doesn't work out. It certainly worked out with the opener against the Jays. Uh, back a couple weeks ago when he, he allowed one over four, I think it was. Um, so generally, the, the idea, for anyone who, who doesn't know, the idea of an opener is not just that your starter maybe struggles early. It's that if you're only going to let a starter go twice through the order, what an opener allows you to do is get the first three, four, maybe five guys out of the way, and then they're two times through the order, and then if the pitcher is going okay, well, then you've got six, seven, eight, nine coming up in the order instead of one, two, three, four. So maybe you can get an extra inning out of that guy. The reason teams don't use it all the time, other than, you know, you don't really want to start a game with a lesser pitcher if you can avoid it, is, you know, it's a little bit variable for how a starter prepares for a game. So if you're Yusei Kikuchi and you've only ever started in the majors, um, you know, then you have to kind of, learn on the fly how to prepare as a reliever and come in in the middle of a game. Now, some guys can do that. I think you could absolutely do that with Mitch White and Ross Stripling who have that kind of experience. Um, but with a guy who hasn't done that, it's maybe a tougher thing. Now, looking ahead to the playoffs, if the Jays were to get out of a wild card round and go into a seven-game series where you need a fourth starter, I think 
yeah, you're probably either looking at that or you're going very, very strict on times through the order uh, with the pitcher. So frustrating one here at Rogers Center. Uh, John Schneider said as much after the game, saying that Jose Barrios is uh, frustrated as well. But end quote, he's working his ass off. Sure, you're not seeing the results yet, but I, I'd imagine the Jays are going to say all the right things in terms of uh, faith in the guy who was their opening day starter is supposed to be their uh, their number three. Um, it's, a, it's a tough one to sort through. We're going to take a little break here. When we come back, we'll continue taking your texts to 590-590. We'll keep taking your calls to 888-666-0590 or star 590 on your mobile. Uh, we'll be back in just a minute here as Blue Jays talk continues down at Rogers Center. Welcome back to Jay's Talk. I'm Blake Murphy here with you for, I don't know, another 20 or so until they kick me out of the Rogers Center. It's such a beautiful night. I don't want to I don't want to go. You got the CN Tower lit up, clear skies. Uh, the baseball wasn't very good, but the night itself was beautiful. So the Jays lose, which means, hey, this is the time of year. You got to look over your shoulder. You got to look at what everyone else is doing, which means it's time for the Bet365 standings update. With Bet365, you can bet on things like player props, totals, or the money line across many different sports. 19-plus, play responsibly, Ontario only. So, the Jays fall to 60-51. and 51. The Guardians improve to 60-52. and 52. That means the Jays are only a half game up there. But for Cleveland, it doesn't matter quite as much because they're at the top of the AL Central. So we got to look around at everything else that's going on. What affected the Jays tonight? Uh, Seattle's still in action against Texas, but they're in control in that one, up 3-1 in the sixth right now. Looking like Seattle is going to move ahead of the Jays in the wildcard standings. Uh, Tampa Bay and Baltimore, who are next up in those wildcard standings, are head-to-head right now. Baltimore up 10-3 in the ninth. So it looks like Baltimore will jump a half a game ahead of Tampa, uh, close half a game on the Jays here and take that final wild-card spot. Uh, Minnesota is playing at the Angels. Minnesota are playing at the Angels, rather, to use proper grammar. Uh, they're up 2 nothing in the second right now. And then a little further down, uh, the White Sox taking on Detroit. Uh, believe we, Yeah, the White Sox won 2 nothing in that one. Michael Kopech had a no-hitter through six, and they, uh, they yanked him. And then Reynaldo Lopez comes in and uh, gives – gives that one up to Javi Baez. So um, things aren't going the the Jays' way when you look at the out-of-town scoreboards. Uh, The standings are going to be precariously tight when these games wrap up. Uh, That's the Bet365 standings update. It's not going to make you feel any better is uh, the key takeaway here. Uh, We've got a bunch of callers. So... Let's get to them. Um, I know there's a lot of Brio stuff. Let's try to pivot away uh, on the Brio's topic just for now because, you know, before the break there, uh, everything was Brio. So let's see what else is there. Uh, we got Tony from Maple. Tony, what's up? Hey, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? All right, thanks. I wanted to talk about management with the Blue Jays uh, briefly. So with Shapiro and Atkins taking over in 2015, so basically they've had – seven years to deliver a team that's a contender for a World Series. 
it looks like initially, okay, the, you know, they were fluctuating up and down and people were saying they got to rebuild and whatnot. But how long does it take to become truly a contender, which looking at it now, we could say, well, yeah, you know what, they're, they're still a young team, and everything, but these are just excuses. Because when we look at some of the clubs that are perennially there every year contending, how is it that they can do it and we can't? We have the resources, we have the money, you know, that doesn't seem to be the issue. We can never get good pitching, can't get a, a relief pitching, closers. We're always lacking something. So now, one, one crowd of people will say, well, you blame the coaches or you blame the players. And so ultimately, like in the corporate world, it lies on the to- top corporate executives. So to me, it doesn't look like they're doing their job properly. Come this August 2nd date, what did we pick up compared to everyone else? Nothing. So how can we give these guys A-plus ratings that they're doing a fabulous job? I thought everything's based on results. And thus far in Toronto, they've delivered no results. Well, thanks for the call, Tony. I, I don't know that anyone's given them A-plus ratings. Uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe a friendly B here and there. But, no, this is um... – you know, this is the year that the expectations and the pressure were supposed to come. And that was kind of, uh, you know, the theme at the end of last year, that they were close and they felt that they weren't far off. And it was time to take the next step. You can give a new front office a couple of years to let things settle and start to rebuild the farm system and put together a roster that is in their vision. But you're right. It's seven years now. And this was the year where expectations are supposed to be there. You're supposed to be pushing in. You traded a bunch of prospects for Jose Brios and Matt Chapman. Um, you then, you know, entered the season with the highest payroll in franchise history. And that's not, you know, it's not on par with the Yankees and Dodgers of the world, but it's still the most you've ever doled out for the payroll. So when they let Charlie Montoyo go about a month ago, Ross Atkins stood up there and he said it's on him as much as anything. Um, And I don't think that, look, I I don't know that they should have sold the farm for Tyler Molly or something like that. Uh, But they did kind of put the gauntlet on themselves that the team wasn't as good as they envisioned and they needed to improve. And they tweaked at the margins. But I don't know that, you know, Whit Merrifield makes the same difference that, an elite bullpen arm or another starter would have. So I understand the frustration. Um, you know, I, I don't think you can really help some of it. Some of it's just, you know, the breaks that come in a baseball season. But the bullpen being what it was, was fairly predictable. The starting rotation, yeah, maybe you, you – we kind of knew when they first signed Hyunjin Ryu that the back end of that deal might not be the best. Uh, the Yusei Kikuchi gamble – felt like that it felt like a gamble and a bet on kind of redoing the Robbie Ray thing but with a little a couple extra years of control um Jose Brios's contract extension full disclosure I thought it was a good deal at the time you were talking about the most consistent pitcher in baseball basically at that point and you paid him like a number 2b kind of starter so Shlomo and Scarborough I know you're on the line and you have some gripes about the spending. I can get there with Kikuchi. The Barrios thing, I'm going to have to lay out the mea culpa right off the top, though, that I thought the extension was good. Everything we'd seen from him up to that point was solid. Shlomo, do you uh, feel differently, and how you doing? 
I'm good, Blake. I got to tell you, I'm loving Jay's Talk Plus. It's great, man. You're doing Thank a great you. job. And, uh, yeah, this is why I wanted to talk to you about this. I feel like you're, you have one of the most in-depth understandings of, like, the analytics and stuff. So when we think about, like, people that make investments, you think of, like, a Warren Buffett or any of these famous investors, they have a set of rules they live by, right? And, that's, and they're very militant with their rules, and that's what makes them successful. They don't divert from those rules. So we brought in Ross Atkins from a small market team, right? They never spend anywhere close to the type of money they've spent here with the Blue Jays. And if you look at the pitching mistakes alone, we're past $200 million in mistakes going back to adding Rourke, Chase Anderson. You know, we got to put Barrios there no matter what. It's a mistake now. He, he wouldn't get anywhere close to this. Looking that way, yeah. And the you and Kukuchi. So my question is, how does Ross keep his job after $200 million miscalculated? And do you think it wasn't the right hire, given the fact that he didn't have experience making anywhere close to these investments? whatsoever like maybe we should have found somebody that was you know in the dodgers organization or you know they they say in upper management sometimes it's great to learn from people from other places so you can learn things i love what mark shapiro how he talks and the energy he brings but if if he had a mulligan on it he might have done better taking an executive from outside of his circle so that he too could learn from them because this situation with ross doesn't look good, man. It doesn't look like they've had the best experience making big investments. Yeah, it's an interesting point, Shlomo. And pulling on the business world a little bit like that, um, at, at least from the kind of experiential side of, hey, if you're going to be a collaborative front office, does it make sense for that collaboration to all come from the same experience and the same background? Or do you want people who are bringing things to the table from different areas? And you see that come up in sports. You see that come up in, in life a lot of times. And it's one of, you know, um, the the book by David Epstein, Range, you know, that's one of the, that's one of the takeaways is that when you can bring in people with different perspectives who have a, you know, and, and then build a team that has a broad way of looking at things and a number of different ways to attack a problem, uh, your decision-making tends to improve. So it's a really interesting thought. And, you know, I, I do think Ross Atkins is probably feeling some pressure here, and, and I think he should be. Um, your point as well about you take guys from a small market operation and, you know, to use a tech term, can it scale? Well, if you're used to, and I think the deadline's a really good example of this. So you are used to, you know, you have to win every little thing at the margin because that's how you operate as a small team. You know, the extra 2%. That's how the Rays do it. That's how Moneyball tried to do it. That's how they built it in Cleveland. And then you get to this point where all of those little edges really help you build a stronger farm system and a stronger organizational culture and put you in a financial space to make $300 million of upgrades to Roger center. But you're right. Then you get to the trade deadline and your team. Now you, you can't, you don't want to chase bad money with good. If you think those investments are shaky ones, but you look at what does this team need to, to get over the hump or, or what do you need to fortify? And that kind of, well, every move has to be a positive EV or, or a, a value win, you know, maybe doesn't align with where you are because, you know, not all wins are created equal. There is a marginal factor to wins in the standings, to wins above replacement, things like that. So um, I don't have a, a clear and concise answer for you, Shlomo, but I do think that the general idea of 
having a more versatile and a more variable perspective for that kind of collaborative decision making in the front office at, at the risk of doing too much business speak here um it is something that that they should continue to explore and explore in the future because yeah what works in cleveland when you have a 70 million dollar budget is probably not the exact same approach that's going to work in toronto as you you know you want to push toward i think a 200 million dollar budget uh in time so it's a great question and uh, someone in the text line that didn't sign their thing said, is Shlomo talking about Atkins or Dubas? And uh, that's uh, that's a reasonable question. It's funny how some of the teams here start to um, start to reflect on, on each other in that way. Uh, we have a few texts in the text line as well. Uh, I'll read them out here. Um, you can keep those texts coming for uh, – I'm going to stick with you till 1030, so uh, 590, 590 – is the text line you can hit star 590 on your mobile if you want to call in uh, as well in these last few minutes here but um andrew and armin have dropped a couple in the chat here for me that are in the text line so mike and victoria texted in uh it's the end of the fifth yes Brios was horrible but the jays only had one base runner out of the first 15 batters uh yeah and mike you made the right call to go fishing uh, with a couple hours of light out in Victoria. It's a it's one of those tough ones where, you know, last Kikuchi start, I, I saw some people push back a little bit because there was criticism of Kikuchi. wasn't that great, uh, but the offense wasn't there. And in that case, you know, Kikuchi was getting criticized in the first inning of the game because he gives up the home run right away. In this one, it didn't really matter. Like, even by the time Barrios started getting chipped away at and that's what it was at the start of the third inning to be completely honest it was uh you know it was a nickel and dime until it wasn't he hit a batter there was a well hit single then there was that Stephen Kwan beautiful bunt hit single uh down the third baseline then there was a ground ball that got through the infield uh then a sack fly and then there was the home run so that kind of snowballed on him a little bit. Uh, and then from there, it was kind of completely off the rails. That that Even if you want to give Jose Brios the benefit of the doubt on Jose Ramirez's home run because he pulled the change up out of basically the dirt and hammered it, uh, you know, why was he so confident in that one? What was he sitting on there? So the Brios side of things is obvious. And because those eight runs get given up in the first four innings, yeah, you can lose sight of the fact that this team only put three guys on base the whole game, and it was a Vlad double, a Jackie Bradley Jr. single late, and a Kevin Biggio double off the top of the wall uh, that almost snuck out. It was not a very good day on either side um, for the Blue Jays. Jose Brios, by the way, saying after the game, and this is per our pal Keegan Matheson of MLB.com, uh, I'm a competitive guy and I want to go out there and do well. I don't feel happy. Hard to blame him. Uh, this is from John Schneider postgame, courtesy of Shai Davidi of Sportsnet.ca. Uh, the way the guys are coming out every day is great. It's just not clicking right now. We'll be the first ones to tell you that. I'll be the first one to tell you that. We're playing kind of S-wordy. It is what it is. You come tomorrow and you look to win. Schneider also added that Ross Stripling's five innings start today at AAA. And again, those are five shutout innings, three hits, three strikeouts, no walks. They're hoping that that's all he needed. 
and he'll be back with them this week. Julian Merriweather also fired an inning in that game. Uh, Matt Gage got the save, so potential reinforcements. If I can ask my own text line question here, I have the microphone, so I can do that. Something I found very odd about this game, and it doesn't matter with respect to the outcome, but it could certainly affect the rest of the series, and this was the first of 10 game days in a row before an off day. The Blue Jays burned five bullpen arms in this one. I know Barrios only gave you four innings, and even those four innings were were probably a stretch. I, I kept looking up in that fourth inning to see if he was coming out. But you just had the benefit of two days off. You enter what should be a tough competitive series with a fresh bullpen, and you use five different guys in day one just to survive the day. I know it's not really a fair thing to ask one guy to wear it or something like that and then ship him back off to Buffalo. Trent Thornton's already been optioned a bunch of times this year. You only get five this year, so maybe they're wary of that. But going through Zach Pop, Trevor Richards, Trent Thornton, Adam Simber, David Phelps, just to survive a game that wasn't competitive is a tough one. And you're going to go into tomorrow with those five guys having thrown today and in some of those cases having thrown over 15 pitches. So maybe they've got kind of the yellow light tomorrow. I don't know. I just didn't find it to be the the best way to manage the bullpen in a kind of no win until the bats get going kind of day. Um, Few more texts in the text line. Someone said everyone needs to relax. The Jays are still young. They have many good years ahead of them. They do. They're the fourth youngest team in baseball on the hitter side when you weight uh, the ages by uh, who, who has hit the most and who's played the most. On the pitching side, though, they're the seventh oldest. They're not a young rotation beyond Alec Manoa, and the reinforcements in the minors are either 19 years old in Ricky Tiedemann or they're far away still. Or if you're Yosver Zulueta, you just hit the IL because your surgically repaired knee is bothering you. So that's true on the hitting side, but not necessarily overall. Uh, Julius from Ajax asks if there's an update on Nate Pearson. Uh, Not a meaningful one. He's thrown from 150 feet right now, not on a mound. I think he's uh, pretty far down the line. You'd be looking at a Merriweather, a Taylor Sacedo, uh, maybe even a Hayden Yinger as the kind of next bullpen arms up that you haven't seen yet um, before you would see, or that you haven't seen in a while at least, uh, before you see Nate Pearson, because he's not even on a mound. I would personally be surprised if we get a Nate Pearson update that is, you know, anything with him in the major league plans this year. Uh, There's a lot of angst in the text line. Uh, Gresham uh, says Barrios looked good tonight, very handsome. However, he didn't pitch great. Uh, That is uh, accurate. He did not pitch great Ricky from Ricky from Thornhill asks if the Barrios performance was acceptable or unacceptable I would say it was unacceptable Ricky uh if you're Jose Barrios you can't give up eight runs to a team uh that you're battling in the wild card race with uh we're just about done with you here for Jay's talk um thank you to Tom Young and Andrew Holland and Armin Sargarian uh for hanging out with us and helping us finish out Jay's talk thanks for everyone who called and texted in sorry we couldn't get to all of them in this Jays Talk post game. And thank you for listening to Blue Jays Baseball, served up by the always game-ready Jack Links Meat Snacks. 
Feed your wild side, baseball fans. Uh, ben Wagner and Ben Nicholson-Smith back on the call for you tomorrow. 3.07 first pitch as Mitch White takes on Tristan McKenzie. I will be back with you for Jays Talk Plus Monday at 3. Have a great weekend, everyone.